2: and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast, your destination for in-depth discussion and analysis of all things Premier League. I'm Robbie Hull, I've got my special guest with me today, Stephen Warnock, who joins me for the show, and here are today's topics. Insanity ensures at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Manchester City, who battle it out in a crazy 4-4 draw. Wolves take down Tottenham with two late goals, handing Ange Postacoglu his second straight defeat. Liverpool deliver a bounce-back performance with a 3-0 win against Brentford, courtesy of Mo Salah's two goals, and Manchester United eke out another 1-0 win, this time against Luton. That's what we've got coming up in today's episode. OK, Steve, well, great to have you, mate. I've got to you be honest, travel, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to get rid of Mr Muster for a <laughs> week or two. And bless him and his good lady. I think he's um, going to off for, for a Lovely. little trip, so very nice, yeah, and, The rest of us, mate, we'll keep working. Um, We've had another absolutely crazy week of Premier League football. Drama upon drama. There's only one place to start. The bridge. Stamford Bridge. Chelsea hosting Manchester City. A Chelsea team that, at times, we've seen some progress, and other times I think we've all been a bit frustrated, against a Manchester City team that look like they're starting to get into gear as we know they kick on. It ended 4-4... Give me your biggest takeaway for Chelsea because I think that they, they become a, a bit of a story really four four with with the reigning champions
1: yeah I, I think there's a lot of uh, talk around the game was well he only beat Tottenham because of the sendings offs mm-hmm. which is might be true yeah but they took a lot of positives from it and I think going into the game it probably suits them playing one of the top teams Manchester City where they're going to attack mm-hmm. them they're going to come out against them yeah I think they struggle against the teams that sit a little bit deep and, and uh, they find that difficult to break down so the game sort of played into the hands however you're going to get punished against Manchester City if you're not on your best game yeah. um, the the penalty early on or in in the first half and it could have set them back they yeah. could have felt sorry for them mm. sorry for themselves got into the shells but I just thought the, the response from the Chelsea players mm. was very positive um, I think during the game what you saw was at times, Chelsea at the brilliant best, but at times you also saw Chelsea at the the, the most vulnerable yeah, as vulnerable. well. Yeah, And, and yeah. I think that's just where Chelsea are at the moment. Mm. I think they're just on this path where they're just a little bit up and down. Yeah. And I think what Mauricio is looking for is almost that, that flat line and, and then a slower trajectory just to, to evolve and, and to get better.
2: It's interesting because um, on, the, on the podcast, I've said to, to Musty a few times, he keeps saying about Chelsea, and I'm, I keep giving him the sign, Two-year two-year process for yeah. me, mate. It's a two-year, and I know that seems long, and I know people will say, "Well, he's got to get things right." and The amount of money they've spent, but we're talking about young players. Some in the early twenties. Some this is their first Premier League season campaign. What they're going through, things. So I think going through some difficult times is no, never a bad thing. because nope. We both know in football, sometimes it's from those moments that you learn, that you get better, that you get the experience. It was really interesting though, because over the just before the weekend, and I'm doing my notes for the, for the match, and, and I start looking through the Chelsea team, and I know in some respects, and Musty always corrects me on this, but he keeps saying, it's players with potential, you know, your Mudricks and your Jacksons and your Endos and your Caicedos. He said, we don't totally know what we're going to get from him yet, But I looked through the team, Stephen. and I'm, I'm kind of looking and thinking, he's talented, he's got good technical ability, he's got the... And he started to make me think that there's time, there should be times in a game when Chelsea can have possession of the ball. Yeah. When Chelsea can dictate a bit to Manchester City, as good as Manchester City are. I said, when I look at the two sets of teams, of course City are better and of course City have won. But the bigger things for me with, 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 that City have are maturity, experience, know-how. They, yeah. they know what they're doing. This Chelsea team have got none of that at the moment, but they've got talent. Yeah, and and if they can find a way to start to get some of the maturity, and I thought it was a it was a mature performance today. I think that's when we'll start to see the Chelsea that Poch wants, the Chelsea that fa- the fans want, and the Chelsea that the owners have spent this kind of money for.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's only a, a handful of players within the squad who've. Probably one majors mm. when you look at it and you go Thiago Silva, yeah. Raheem Sterling, mm-hmm. Cole Palmer to a certain degree is being in and around yeah, no, the changing room, but he's still young, young on, yeah. in football in terms of what he does on a pitch. Mm. And, and I completely agree. I think that that game management is key to them, and I think it's something that Pochettino is very, very aware of. this that they have to get better. That the, the game that strikes me is is the Arsenal game. Yeah. up and you're cruising in the game, it's the best we've seen them play in a long time, albeit Arsenal, were they not at the best because of Chelsea's performance or was it just an off day? But then the mistakes creep in and then they fold. And that's the problem is that you can't fold. It's almost you've got to brush the first mistake off and say, OK, don't worry about it. We're better than that. We can get over it. But I think that's just where Chelsea are at the moment. But I find Chelsea very interesting in the fact of... The old Chelsea regime mm-hmm. of turners, turn, well, winning trophies year after year yeah. and has gone. There's a new ownership in town. So, for me, it's almost like Chelsea's a new club. They're in a massive transitional period where you've got now owners who are new to football, yeah. who don't quite understand it fully. They're learning on the job. They've made huge mistakes. I think by bringing Maurizio Poticino in, they've made a big addition to it and I think it's a big plus what they've done bringing him in so I I totally agree with you I'd even stretch it longer than two years the project because Mm. I think the club had gone that far behind after Abramovich left with the mistakes of what Todd Bolly made even that position of when when Abramovich was sort of under investigation Mm. the, the club slipped behind a year Straight away, maybe longer with with what was going on at the club. So, I do think it's a a long process and it's going to be a long ride for them.
2: I want to talk about some individuals and and then maybe just turn your attention on Manchester City. But before I do, I I just wanted to to run one again a bit of a theory past you in terms of and obviously your links and and knowing Liverpool Football Club well. That I sometimes feel in football and and at certain football clubs, your history, that, that a winning history from the past can be a burden. Oh, yeah. I used to feel, feel it at Liverpool, and, and obviously the the one trophy, the one title that Jurgen Klopp is helping to address that, and the football that he's playing now is getting Liverpool back to where, where they were. Manchester United, I think, it's evident now. We, we're always harking back to the time. Chelsea, we kind of keep on talking about the winning and that mentality and the titles and the Mourinho's and the Angelotti's and the Conte's, mm-hmm. and uh, which isn't necessarily helpful. That, that's one point. I, I'd love to get your thought on and, and the second is and, and this one's a little bit more difficult to to. <clears> how <throat> would I best explain it I've always felt at certain clubs at big clubs with that history that winning history from the past there's sometimes an element small element around clubs who don't want current success because it actually dims the, the successes of the past yeah and it's a, it's a really difficult thing to try and say but sometimes you either see it you feel it you th- there's an era where that was the golden era back in the day and this is nowhere near as good and they'll never be as good And, and it, I don't know you were at Liverpool they had many years and I'm not saying these these. Loads of individuals or whatever Who always hark back to those days But do you understand the point I'm making Oh
1: 100% yeah I do
2: At times, at at, at clubs Everybody's got to be pulling And and sometimes there can be one or two bad eggs in there Who are actually hankering for those past days Because that was their glory time
1: Yeah I I think your first point obviously That the pressures of being at a club And to to win titles is there The only thing I'd say about that is And this is, I, I totally agree with you on that From a player's point of view you can't you can't think about that this is your era this is your yeah. time to yeah. to make history um, I think a lot of the time it's Fans, it's the media who put that pressure on the players, but actually, from within the change room, mm. I mean you wouldn't sit there in the change room and say, "God, we need to win this. We need to get ourselves in these history books <laughs> and, and match yeah. them."
2: Yeah, we're not thinking. About We'd that, like to, yeah,
1: but yeah. that's just. Well, if we do things right day to day, that'll come naturally, and, and that'll happen if we're coached in the right way, managed in the right way, mm. if the right players are bought through the door. Well, that'll all take care of itself naturally. Um, the more pressure you put on yourself, the more you know you seize up, you become yeah, less of a player and you play yeah. yeah, you play limited in the way that you play. Um, I think what was very interesting and I, I can talk about this because I know it first hand is when, when Jurgen Klopp took over, the one thing he did was he embraced the history yeah. of the club mm-hmm. and he wanted the former players and the ex-players to be in and around and tell their stories about winning titles and winning mm-hmm. cups and what the mentality was like and how they thought about games because he thought that was vitally important if I was if I wanted to be a tennis player I wouldn't go to you and ask how to become a tennis player okay, because you don't cheers yeah but you don't <laughs> know it do you yeah, no. if, if, oh, if I wanted definitely. to become yeah. a doctor I wouldn't yeah. go and say well Robbie yeah. Yeah. what do I do to become Absolutely. a doctor if I want to be, uh, become a winner and get a winner's mentality. Mm. I go and speak to winners, and I ask mm. them questions, and I feed off them, and I get that. But what you've got to get is you've got to get the right type of winners within the change room who want the club to continue to be winners mm. and to be spoken about in the right way. And I think that's what Liverpool did. I know it's like what other clubs are doing now yeah. that they're, they're drawing on the past and saying to them, "No, embrace that past and mm. use it to, to gear you and, fu- and fill you to uh, or fuel you to to be successful."
2: Let's uh, just focus a couple on a on t- couple of Chelsea players and that, and then we'll we we'll, we'll, we'll turn to Manchester City because obviously they played their part in a, in a brilliant game just before the international break. Cole Palmer, we mm. we, we made a bit about him before the game. We talked uh, about him before kickoff. We, we we mentioned him after. I mean, did he look did he look like a man? On a mission, a man, a man trying to prove a point. I mean, he took the, the penalty so coolly with all the pressures on him. That's four penalties, four conversions, mm. um, and, and doesn't look a problem. Did him and Raheem Sterling, who's the other, I would say, who were former players, I, saw, I thought it was probably one of the best games I've seen Sterling play in the blue of Chelsea.
1: I thought he was brilliant. I really do. Uh, going back to Cole Palmer, um, we bigged him up and he delivered. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's the great thing, but I think when you... When you're a bit part player at a club and suddenly you get that platform to play week in, week out, yeah. your, your mentality changes completely <clears throat> within on the training ground, with, around the changing room. Suddenly, when you've got the trust of a manager who brings you in, yeah. you, you mentioned it on the show where you said about being an academy player is different from yeah. being bought. When you get bought, suddenly you're the manager's choice, you're mm. the club's choice, they okay. want you. That makes you feel ten foot tall. Yeah. You feel so... Important, and that you're there to, for a purpose. Whereas when you're coming through the academy, you're just a product of the academy, and yeah. mm, let's see where he gets to, and yeah. let's see how he yeah. does. So I think you could see that. Or you can certainly see it from the performances that he's put in for Chelsea mm. so far that he's thriving in that in that environment, and and showcases what his sort of his attributes are. Um, I spoke about it on it, on the show about Jason Wilcox talking about his mentality yeah. and how he developed and how strong mentally he is. We saw that in the penalty going up against your former club, sure. right at the end of the game. Edson yeah,
2: you... one of the top goalkeepers in the league. Exactly,
1: and you—he looked so comfortable, didn't he? Yeah. Looked so calm. So that—that that shows his qualities. And I think Raheem Sterling's got a point to prove to a lot of people, leaving Manchester City. Any, any step from there mm. would have been a downgrade yeah, yeah. and it, he goes to Chelsea but he's got something to prove because he wants to get back in the England squad, he wants to show to Manchester City why they shouldn't have sold him, why yeah. they should have kept him mm. and I thought he was outstanding today. He's coming for a little bit of criticism yeah, um, one, at times yeah. but mm. I, I think this season, having we listened to him in America in the summer yeah. series where he talked about my diet was wrong last year. It takes a More lot focused, to, for someone it? to admit yeah. that. And to when come you're out that and go, successful as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and go, and I tried something, it didn't work, and, yeah. and now I've got back to what I am. Yeah. And look at my performances. I thought
2: it was a great moment when he scored, because he kind of started to celebrate, <laughs> then didn't, and then saw his face, mate, I thought it was a brilliant yeah, moment, it just tells you what was going on inside. From City's point of view, let, let's turn it um, Pep talked after about actually being pleased with, it with the point. I think Pep, and, and I heard him in his press conference before the game started, actually, was... I think he sees the potential in what Pochettino has, the potential in the group, and said, this isn't going to be an easy fix yeah, anybody who thinks come to Stamford Bridge. I think he's known in the past what it's like. I think he knows the crowd are up for it, the players are up for it. Um, and in the end, it, it's probably a good point for, for, for Man City in the end.
1: Yeah, I think he'd have, he'd have probably took it before the game, um, going to Chelsea. Having been 4-3 ahead so yeah. late on, yeah. that'll be sort of sat in his mind mm. thinking, well, we should have saw that one out. <clears throat> However, we've seen Liverpool against che- oh, Chelsea against Liverpool this yeah. season, and Liverpool dominated the first half, but then Chelsea were magnificent in the mm. second half and really dominated possession. The Arsenal game for sixty well 77 minutes before yeah. Declan Rice scores that goal, Arsenal are well and truly played off the park by Chelsea, who were brilliant on the day. So he knew watching those videos, and I go back to the styles of playing against Chelsea. Yeah. It suits Chelsea to play a Manchester City, a Liverpool, or an Arsenal who come onto them, who want to hem mm. them back in, and then they can counter attack. So um, I thought his interview was refreshing, actually, because yeah. usually yeah. he's so uptight and mm. bit m- moans, and he just said, which is exactly what we were thinking. What an advert for the Premier
2: League! Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't a great day of anything for too many of the City players. Uh, a couple of points I, I made after the game. I thought they missed John Stones. Yeah. I think how important he's become. Not just his defending and his organisation. Now when he steps into midfield, gives them the overload. He understands his role, where he's passing, how he can get it into the attacking third. I thought they missed that. I thought Roger at times... Uh, got a little bit drawn around the pitch he missed a couple of the uh, the challenges he he normally makes Um, one player I think we'd probably overlook again and and we shouldn't is Erling Haaland who's got Mm. 13 Premier League (laughs) goals which is incredible in 12 Premier League games on a season when people are saying oh he's not quite the same and comparing him to last year I mean whatever happens what an incredible potential because he's still I think he's 23 at the moment incredible potential that this guy's got and a hunger to be in the right place to get goals some fortune I think in in the and we should actually just quickly discuss that but Erling Haaland is, is a gift for the Premier League
1: Oh, absolutely. And we want the best players within the Premier League. I think we were all worried he might go to La Liga, Mm. but we were fortunate that he came to to Manchester City and to the Premier League. The one thing I I remember listening to a story about him, I read it, and um, it was talking about his dad would often catch him watching videos of him missing opportunities. And he was like, why are you watching those ones? Mm. And he was like, because I want to learn why I miss them and how to get better at them, whether I need to be quicker with my touch, whether my movement needs to be a bit different. So it's almost that perfectionist in him and that drive and that hunger to just keep breaking records, to keep scoring goals. You can see the joy he gets out Mm. of the tapping or any type of goal. Everything means the same to him. Mm. That is what he is there to do. I think the other side of it, I think he is... His all-round game's getting better. His link-up play—it's taken him a while to get to that. But like mm. you say, he's young. He is still quite raw. Yeah. In 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 the respect of holding the ball up and bringing others into play, yeah. that game intelligent, mm. that that experience that you you do get when you get older um, to play a certain style. But I, I just love his hunger to score goals. It's it's. It's a defender's worst nightmare, isn't it, when yeah. you see him oh. sort of bearing down on you—that power that he's got in and around the penalty area, that upper body strength, and then how clinical he is.
2: Let's just 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 clean up that that uh, VAR in the penalty as well, because we were in studio, we yeah. saw it. I think we both sort of looked at it a couple of times, and thought, oh, "I'm not quite sure about it," and then we saw a, a couple of replays, and I think we both felt that Erling Haaland instigated the grab on Kukurea. Yeah. Kukurea reacts by grabbing back, and then as the ball's coming in. Yeah, there's an isolated shot of Kukare with his arms around. Uh, Haaland, who goes down. I didn't think it was a penalty. I don't think you thought it was a no penalty no. in the end. And I'm, I'm just glad that we're not talking about VAR. The game went on beyond there. And, you know, fortunately, it, it didn't become the most, you know, the talking point if it. it was a 1-0 no win, yeah. say, to City. And I just felt on, on that one, it was almost like, I felt the referee the Taylor didn't need to give anything, and then we'll go to VAR, have a look at it and see, but I think by giving it it's then never going to be deemed a clear and obvious error, and, and that was one of those situations. I felt today, with 20 minutes on the clock, I thought what a great game we set up, you know Chelsea had started well, they were causing problems in the wide areas and doubling up and Doku and, and James was, was, was a great play out, and then I almost felt like VAR wanted to inject itself in the game let's have a VAR that's 20 minutes of good football now let's have a VAR I just felt he didn't need to to get involved No, I
1: I do a a show at home called Ref Watch with former Premier League referee Dermot Gallagher Mm -hmm. and it's something that I said when we were looking at the goals was sometimes the best thing is to do nothing Mm. because it could go either way yeah. and don't influence it, just let it ride out. Mm-hmm. And after the game, we'd have all looked at it and gone, I've seen them given."
2: Yeah,
1: I, I, You could see it going yeah. the other way as mm-hmm. well. So maybe the best thing is sometimes is to do nothing. Yeah. But I agree with VAR, they, they look to intervene at every opportunity. Yeah. Even the Harlan goal when he yeah. scores. And, and they're, they're, they're looking to find for a handball hand and you're yeah, thinking, no. come please, on. come on, let's not talk yeah. about it. I mean, the one thing I thought this weekend coming into the studio was, Let's hope we don't get any major VAR <laughs> yeah. controversies. Yeah. We, don't we all them. do, don't we, yeah, football exactly. fans? We yeah. want to
2: see the game play and Absolutely.
3: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?
2: Anyway, we're not going to finish this get on, on V L, but we are going to move on to Molyneux. Tottenham uh, went away to Wolves, uh, having lost their first game of the week, obviously the circumstances are on Monday to Chelsea, two players sent off, lots of injuries, you know, all kinds of problems for Ange Coglu. So they go to Wolverhampton Wonders, they go one up early through a Brennan Johnson goal, and then later on concede two goals, which means back-to-back defeats for Spurs. We've just done a a breakdown on the uh, Tactic Show, which is on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Anyone who wants to have a look at that, just look at the two goals that that Spurs concede. Is it as simple as saying because of who wasn't there that possibly caused the defeat? Or should the players out there, the eleven, have have done a little bit better?
1: I I think there's a a little bit of both. I think Mm. if you've got Van der Ven and Madison, I think the game's different. I I really do. I think... Madison gets on the ball more, they dominate possession, they create more opportunities. Van der Ven play that higher line, you can you can get back into positions. Mm-hmm. I said to you when we were watching the game, we were chatting about it, and I was saying Van der Ven, we talk about his pace, but it's actually yeah. the reading of the game, his yeah. understanding, and he's such a young player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had the, the same effect I feel that Van Dijk's had on Liverpool. He's he's come in, he's got that stature, that aura about yeah. him. You you almost see opposition forwards looking at him thinking don't fancy taking him on in a 1v1 or I don't quite think I've got the strength to out-muscle him and things like that. So already he's got a psychological upper hand on people, which is a a great thing to have. The other side of it, you'd look at it and go, well, you've got two international centre-halves playing, Eric Dyer and Ben Davis. Mm. Should they be able to deal with runners through them, through passes? They should, but late on in the game, when you haven't played that many minutes, Mm. legs are tired, minds tired. It's like the constant pressure that comes on you. If that was maybe two games down the line and they'd have two back, two lots of 90 minutes in their legs mm. and then they get to that stage, I think they see the game out. I, don't, I yeah. don't think they're as mentally tired and physically that's tired point, and yeah. that's something that you look at and, and Poster Coglu, I'm sure, listen, he's a smart guy, isn't he? Yeah. He's probably looking at the same thing thinking, yeah. we, we could have defended it, we could have done better, but it's a, it's a big task he for You did, them.
2: right, because I, I did hear a bit of a press conference last night after the game and he sort of said... You know, I, I was a little concerned for some of the players who haven't played at that level for that long time. You know, Eric Dyer's first Premier League start. It does, you know, that fatigue sometimes is in the head as much as it in the yes, legs and absolutely. you're switching off and you're looking for a rest. It's interesting because actually, having done the uh, breakdown we did on the, on the second goal, which is the uh, Lamina goal from mm-hmm. the free kick, a thought's just come back to my head and, and it came through when we were watching... Um, Newcastle training the uh, summer series away in, in America. I remember Eddie Howe going through some game-type situations and the opposition had the ball. And The first thing Eddie Howe coached was one of his players to get in front of the ball and stop a, fi- a quick free kick. So he had Almer on doing it, he had... Um, I think um, Trippier doing it. He had Joe Ellington doing it at times. Don't always have the same player. And, and, and he did a little thing which made me laugh and I thought it was very clever. He said he had the player to get in front of the ball and then go down and tie his laces as if he's doing his laces. Now, most of the players haven't got laces in the boots anyway. So no. I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know how that was. But obviously, it's just a ploy to stop the opposition playing a quick picket so you can get organised. Yeah. And I remember now think, watching the. Um, the second Spurs goal today, and anybody gets a chance to look. His referee gives a, a free kick, Wolves want to take it quickly. Emerson Royal gets involved with trying to run in and kicking the ball away that gets him out of position. But the big thing it's just come back to me is that no Spurs player about getting in front of the ball and stopping at a quick free kick, which just gives us time to fill our holes in behind, get our organisation and maybe give us a chance to defend. We're now talking 90 plus seven minutes in the game. It, it's at 1-1, So Rabia scored one. Yeah. Lamina's running forward. Could they have, have, you know, just a bit of thought and maybe a bit of discipline have, have, have saved that situation?
1: And you're talking about, in those positions, you're talking about Hojbjerg. Yeah. And then you're talking about Bentoncourt. Mm. Two experienced players who yeah. should know better, mm. should be thinking in that position, yeah. get on what, what top of it, do, do something. Yeah. I think Son was in and around the same mm. area as well, another experienced player. But then I go back to them tired minds again. Yeah. Is that part of it? Mm. Is there is there enough leadership on the pitch for someone to do that? Mm. Son's not that type of... Son's a leader of sh- like, showing what you can the do on the pitch. way he plays, yeah, you yeah. take a lead from He's that. not yeah. a shouter and mm. a baller and yeah. a, an organiser. Mm. And do they need that figure in midfield to be able to do that? Because mm-hmm. I think when you go back to Newcastle there and you make a great example of it, Kieran Trippi is the one straight away you'd be thinking, he's in his head, yeah. like, he's played stop for Simeone. Simeone yeah. Yeah. Yeah, knows the dark, art, yeah, yeah, dark, yeah. dark arts of the games, yeah. and that's how you slow a game down. Mm. It's how you frustrate teams, and that's what you've got to do. Mm. But I just think when he on the pitch, he'd be the one saying, get in front of the free kick, yeah. slow it down, make sure it happens. Yeah, but it's a great point.
2: Just wonder with back to back defeats now for, for Spurs, uh in, in the space of what, six six days. Does the break sorta of come at a good time? Uh, you get one or two I know injuries and these you know, you're talking about Van der Ven and Madison being maybe next year before we see them in the white, but other players suspension, Udogi comes back, he was only one game suspended, yeah. Romario we know is three which Makes it a little bit difficult, but as a break almost come at a good time, go away, come back together again, we, we 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 go again, kind of thing. Yeah, and
1: I think also as well if there is a game this weekend, all the media's attention will yeah. be on on yeah, Tottenham. Shot, yeah. What's what's the response going to mm. be? How are they going to yeah, deal gonna with this situation exactly? Yeah. From suddenly having this unbelievable start, we go back to being it, Spursy.
2: Yeah and, yeah,
1: and and that's yeah, the problem. Get that's get the title I want to get away yeah. from. So it's a it's a case of I'm sure it's very difficult with an international break. Because for a team like Tottenham, they'll have multiple internationals within the changing room who will be going away on the international breaks now. So it's not a case of where Ange Postacoglu can get them in and sort of get a little bit of a reset and look back at the work they've done and go, hang about, lads. Would you have taken this at the beginning of the season? Yeah, yeah for sure. Because mm-hmm. the position we were in, no one would have put us in this position. They'd have probably said we'd have been around seven or 8th and how's that Poster pressed, yeah. getting on? Yeah. Can he have an impact on them? He's not mm-hmm. quite done what, he, what, what he'd wanted to. Well, they're in a magnificent position, so take the positives from it. I think yeah. that's what they've got to do and they've got to just sort of take stock by taking a step back from the situation, mm-hmm. the international break, and going, no, we're in a great position here.
2: Absolutely, and I uh, just want to give a mention actually to Gary O'Neill, because he's, he's a guy often that's not in the spotlight in, 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 in many respects. Um, I think he was on Sky Football, Monday Night Football a few yeah. weeks ago, showed a little bit of his coaching and how he works. I think startled one or two people and got people's attention. Um, and just as, as as the Wolves manager, his team play good football, they're well set up, they've had s- some terrible decisions go against <laughs> them, VAR and the likes. I mean, I think the back-to-back penalties that, that um, have been given against them that, that weren't. I think yeah, they got an apology this Luton weekend for Newcastle, one last it? week. Yeah. yeah, it was He Changwang the first one, and then Fabio uh, yeah. Silva. I think it was last weekend. That's three
1: penalties. Then the Luton one as well. The,
2: yeah, so, so it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, they've had some some terrible luck, but I just think he's he's one of those managers who I think people are starting to warm to. People are starting to understand how good he is. He's working with the group. You know, he went under difficult circumstances. I think he had four days training before the start of the season. We saw them play at Man United, where they played United off the park yeah. and lost one nil the first day. But um, yeah, you know, difficult time. But again, a guy who, who wants to coach who gets players better and and Wolves we'll play some good football. I tell you, they, oh. they they're a, a decent football team. So yeah. a little bit of credit to Gary O'Neill. Okay, mate, let's move it on to. Anfield, I'm sure you're uh, looking forward to speak to this Liverpool at uh, home to Brentford. Brentford can always be difficult opposition to play. Thomas Frank has his team, excuse me, well set up. But Liverpool, no problem. Three, three, no one. Two goals for Mo Salah, one for Jogo Jota. Is that almost what Liverpool need? I, I kind of feel with Liverpool, and I, I, I want to get your view is, I, I said the other week, it's almost to me like Liverpool are still trying to convince themselves they're title contenders. It's like people are saying, oh, Liverpool, is this a team? And listen, they're in good shape at the moment, so it's tracking in the table one point behind City. But are they really title contenders, do you think, this time around?
1: Uh, I'm I'm still not convinced about them defensively Mm. um, from the aspect of Trent Alexander-Arnold playing in this inside position. Mm. Now, Manchester City tried it with Carl Walker moving into that position. He tried it with also Zinchenko when he was at the club. And it didn't quite work because you're vulnerable and susceptible to counter-attacks on that side. And Canate, when he plays on that side, often gets caught either ball-watching because cle- teams are clever now. What they do is they'll play a winger high on the left and they'll bring the striker out to the left-hand side as well. Mm-hmm. So then Canate's got this conundrum. Which one do I go in on? If I go tight on the striker, there's a ball in behind yeah. for the winger and that causes problems. If I go... Wide enough on the onto the winger okay. leaves this big gap through to the striker, and he's caught in like that that position at the moment where he doesn't quite know how to deal with it. Yeah. I don't think McAllister's a number six. I don't think he's he senses danger enough to play in that position. When I look at Rodri, he senses it. Yeah. He yeah, knows not, like yeah. when people move into certain positions. Can learn that, do
2: you think, or Is that something that I don't think he's in athletically?
1: good enough to, to do get it across the pitch. Yeah, I, I, I think things. he's a he's he's one of he's those players. He's he? a brilliant footballer, mm. but playing to his strengths. Yeah. I, and listen, I'm not sitting here telling the club what to do, but yeah. I just think his best position's higher up when you look at him at Brighton and and especially Argentina in the yeah. World Cup, I thought he was the second best player in the tournament. Mm. I really do behind Messi. Messi was unbelievable, mm. but mcallister was was phenomenal in that forward advanced position, yeah. retaining balls little threaded through passes. So I think if you want to get the best out of him you you've almost got to play him in that position. The other thing I think with Liverpool is is Zubbber lies your mainstay,
2: yeah, yeah, but
1: then you look at it and go, well, who's the other two? who fits mm-hmm. in there?" I think Curtis Jones does when he's fit. I think what Jurgen Klopp's got out of him is he knows tactically exactly how to play the game, and also his passing accuracy, his passing retention is the highest in the Liverpool team. Is also his turnover of possession and winning it back is the highest in the in the midfield, oh, okay. which is
2: mm-hmm. yeah, a, a, a great could, yeah, yeah. It's, it's impressive. The way you Liverpool yeah. play.
1: and I think there's well,
2: Bob Grabenbo. Every time I see him, I, I kind of like what I see. All the all the tools and the raw material looks there
1: Young and inexperienced, I think there's a side of him, Mm. but I also think there's a side where he's just getting used to playing again he's had a year out of playing at Bayern Munich Mm. so that's a long time in football and even your body, getting up to speed probably didn't have a a full proper pre-season because you're a bit in limbo am I staying, am I going, where am I at you you sort of drop your standards because you're feeling a little bit sorry for yourself Um, so I think there's a side where he'll get better in time Mm. Um, but no, I, I do like him. He's a he's a more ad, an advanced centre yeah, midfielder. Go, Loves getting on the half turn. Yeah. Drives with the ball so good, so well. Yeah, athlete, so it's just yeah. that defensive-minded midfielder yeah, when Endo's balance, not quite at the yeah, level.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. It's interesting. Uh, one we have to mention uh, just as we move on from Liverpool is Mo Salah. Uh, I think it's double figures again for him. His productivity <laughs> in terms of goals and assists. I mean, to even think about what a sale would would have looked like for for Liverpool or will look like in in the future. Um, I said today when we were doing the highlights, and, and you watch him, and he slips one in, a typical, opens his body up from that right hand side, he gets a header that he nonchalantly puts in, and waits to see if he's on side. He is. He's already at double figures. Um, I think we sometimes in football take for granted the art of putting the ball in the back of the net and how difficult it is. This guy makes it look easy and I said today he's a modern great he's a modern oh, League yeah. great um, and it'll be only when he's gone and we start looking back at the history and the record books and, and what he's done that maybe he'll get the appreciation he deserves
1: yeah he certainly gets the appreciation from, from Liverpool fans they yeah. they know what he's capable of they know what he's churning out game game after game the big thing when you watch Mohamed Salah is, and, and I just wonder whether this is why it didn't work for him at Chelsea yeah. is that at times he can do nothing in the game and it can uh-huh. have a, a real tough time I think back to the derby against Everton Mikolenko marked him out the game Yeah. Mikolenko mm. was brilliant, mm. suddenly bang, blink yeah. of an eye yeah. does something, scores a goal and you think where did that come from and he's, his stats stack up from a statity, statistician point of view, yeah. everyone looks at him and goes goals, assists, yeah. but when you actually watch his all round game you mm. go he doesn't have an effect at times and he can be quite sloppy and he can be Little bit, sort of on the periphery of the game, yeah. but within a, within a f- blink of an eye, he can mm. just score a T-train, goal or create yeah. something out yeah. of nowhere. He's a special
2: talent, isn't he? It? Yeah, and that's why
1: you talent. can never really take him off the pitch yeah. because you know yeah. he's got that in his armoury He's he's a yeah. phenomenal player.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you do think of Liverpool are going to challenge for a title, most so going to be a big part of that goals yeah. from that right hand side. Okay, let's move on to Old Trafford. So, a bit of attention back on Manchester United, losing against Copenhagen 4-3 in the uh, Champions League. Marcus Rashford getting sent off. More kind of pressure and headlines on on Eric Ten Hag. So, this was a game that... I set out my note before the game was, United can't lose this game. It's one of those days where if United lose this game, it's all on. Um, They didn't lose a game. They scored... uh, to uh, Lindelof um, from a corner kick they won against Luton 1-0 um, good win not a great performance is that where we are with Liverpool now or, or do standards or should should standards maybe be higher
1: uh, the standards at Manchester United should always be higher um, I just think at the, there's a, a real lack of belief whether it's in each other as players, mm. whether it's in the system that they're playing um, I think it's, it's very interesting though. Still sixth, sixth they still sit sixth, though. Sorry, sixth or seventh in the, the league at the moment. Three points
2: behind fourth. or well, they were three points behind fourth. They're now yeah sixth in the table on twenty-one points. Um, fifth is Villa on twenty-five points, and fourth is. Tottenham on 26 points, so they're. It's not
1: a terrible yeah, position, they're, they're is it? And we're all three, looking four at four points, yeah. You're going, we're thinking
2: like they're, they're 16th or something, yeah. But they're not.
1: But I think a lot of it has come from the Carling Cup defeat to Newcastle at home, yeah, yeah, three nil, and then that was followed. That was after the three nil against Manchester City at home. Yeah. So we're looking at that over aggregate, going saying they've been beat six nil at home over two, two games, games yeah. and you look at that and go, it's not great. But yeah. then the Champions League form hasn't been great. But yeah, in the, pr- the in the group, Premier they? League, yeah. they've gone about the business, okay-ish. Literally. They're yeah, in a position now won. where you go, you know, if you go on a run, and mm. we start to click a little bit, yeah, and we start to yeah. believe in ourselves and believe in each other. We can actually sort of mount a challenge Which to get that top four. Can come with form. wins, can it? It's, it's yeah. amazing
2: how, and, and sometimes our, our listeners and viewers might not understand how much a win changes the dressing room and and the training ground and yeah. how you work and. Sometimes you haven't played well, and you kind of know you haven't played well, but as you say, you look at the table and you go, oh, we're six, yeah. we're not playing well. Listen, if we kick into gear a little bit, we, we can go kick on again. And I suppose yeah. that's what Eric Ten Hag is continually pushing out the narrative, that we're not as bad as you, you lot keep saying we are.
1: No, I think the big thing is is that we all we're all... And, and, and rightly so, I, I think anyway, in my opinion, is that we all look at, for an identity of a team, don't yeah, we? Yeah. So we want to see how a team plays mm. and what their style is. When I, when I look at Manchester City, even Chelsea today, yeah, I can yeah. see what they're trying to Correct. do, Arsenal, Liverpool. When I watch Aston Villa, mm. uh, we get exactly what their ideas are on the pitch yeah. and what they're trying to achieve. When I watch Manchester United, it's just reactive football. And yeah. that's the yeah. issue, whereas... Like, Manchester United with the money they've spent shouldn't be a team who sits deep and counterattacks. Yeah, I, I understand mm. when, when the chips are really low and you've yeah. probably sold a few players or they've lost a manager Correct. and a new manager comes in but Ten Hag's, Ten Hag's had what sort of a year and a half yeah. nearly a year and a half in with charge the choice
2: now choice of a number of players yeah so
1: have they progressed? I think mm. they've regressed I don't think they've, they've got any better
2: it's interesting, I, I looked at the bench this weekend and then you've got Varane, who there, you talked about winners and, and talking to winners as a winner, was on the bench. Yeah. There was no Johnny, Johnny Evans, so but it was Maguire and Lindelof, so he's not getting in ahead of, uh, of Maguire and Lindelof. Amrabat was one they've chased and talked about. He was sitting on the bench. And Mason Mount, who you're going to spend a big lump of money on and then you're playing Luton at home and Mason Mount's on the bench. Yeah. Those are the things that I scratch my head and say... What's the plan here? What's what's the joined up thinking? You know, why on these days is Mason Mount not in your first eleven yeah. if he's fit?
1: Well, that that's a, a big question, isn't it? Is it a case of Mason Mount's just not playing well? Is it that? they've seen something else in him and it's not quite right what they've seen and Mm -hmm. they don't believe he's the player that they thought he was but to put all the money into him with a year remaining on his contract Mm -hmm. it was what, over £55 million so what's that, $65 million-ish you look at that and say that's a big gamble to take on someone in the last year of his contract plus the contract he will be on as well wages-wise will be huge so it was a big gamble I think there's something more with Varane you see the, the clips during the week yeah. and it, it looked very frosty and hostile between him and Ten Hag and his backroom staff. It's almost like Ten Hag's... Uh, sorry, um, Varane. Varane's looking yeah. very frustrated and, and isn't happy with the situation. Yeah. Um, and would you be? I don't think you no, would be. I think you'll feel... Every pro backs themselves yeah, to play. You want to play, don't you? Yeah. And I'm
2: sure if you... If, if, if Varane at this stage of his career, he, he's going to want to play games. And I suppose we've got... Uh, Marcus Rashford who 17 goals last season 30 Or comps, looks a shadow of, of that player and Hoyland who it's amazing who looks confident playing in Champions League and has got his five goals just can't find a, a bit of luck find the right contact to get a goal in the Premier League yeah. had a couple of chances again against Luton and, and wasn't able to find the back of the net
1: but that, that one was a really interesting signing to me it, Hoyland it, yeah because yeah. if I look at Hoyland I like him as a player yeah, I really think do I think
2: he's potential I think he could be a top player
1: But but what does he feed off? Crosses. Mm -hmm. So you've got Garnaccio on one side, he wants to chop, weave in and out. And you think, does he really deliver quality balls into the box?
2: Yeah, we wondered if that's why he's played Rashford, Rashford on the, line, on didn't he? the right, didn't Maybe he? To, to put a cross in, and yeah. he actually did, didn't he? And, he uh, just missed it at the yeah, back post ever so slightly. But post.
1: you're looking at wingers when, when Rashford plays on that left. He's not going to be one who's going to get it out of his feet and really whip a great ball mm-hmm. into the box, is he? No, that's So easy, if it. that's not going to happen, well, get to the byline, set it back for your full and then put quality into the box. Yeah. If Hoyler must be wondering himself, like, what have I joined here? Yeah, I, want, um, I want service. I want balls in the box. I want to I want to go and attack balls and win headers and things like that. And I think he's got that. Well, he's definitely got yeah, that in his game yeah, because we've, we've seen, seen it. it so the, uh, um, you've got to play to your striker's strengths.
2: Mm, absolutely. So a little bit of work for Ten Hag to do, but a win is a win. Three points are three points. Yeah. And is it six in the table.
3: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you, if you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?
2: Okay, mate, we'll we'll sort of look at some of the other results and and, um, important score lines. Let's start at the Emirates. Arsenal facing Burnley. So, Burnley uh, having a bit of a tough time under Vince and company, but relationship between company and Arteta from the old Man City days. So, um, there was a lot of getting on between the the, the two benches. But Arsenal got the the job done. I know you you kept a little bit of an eye on this one. And and Trossall gets the first goal. Brownhill brings them back level. And then uh, Saliba with the header and Zinchenko with a beautiful kind of course. scissors kick yeah. uh, got the, the goals for Arsenal and I just felt it was one of those days where it was a bit of a feel-good day for Arsenal they kind of got their football back they got a few goals and, and you know, they're probably feeling better about themselves
1: Yeah, more so the second half I think yeah. in the first half Burnley had a go um, mm. made a bit of a game of it had a few opportunities and I think they're, they're, they're obviously shot shy Burnley in, yeah. in the final third, they, they lack a little bit of creativity. yeah, yeah which is a real shame, problems, and we yeah, we hope wish him good it. luck as well and, yeah, and getting feeling better soon. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a side of it where you just go from from Arsenal's point of view, it's like we've got more gears to go through this. Mm-hmm. So even when they got back into the game, it was like, come on, lads. We, we can sort this out. So it was a false home. nine, yeah.
2: with Martinelli one side, Saka sack the, the other, other side. Uh, Kai Havertz involved. Yeah misses, header, yeah, misses a good header, doesn't he? Misses
1: a header from sort of five yards out. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Everyone always says who watches him, oh, there's a player there. Yeah,
2: yeah there's but a player it, in there. Is he the
1: yeah. training ground player that you've always played with throughout your yeah, career, Who he was great. brilliant on the training ground, but can't quite hit that next level on the, on the pitch? Is there something yeah. that he fears going on to the pitch where he doesn't feel comfortable? Has it got to a point where he's overthinking about the game and overthinking about what people are going to be saying about yeah. him? And there's just that element of doubt in his mind. For one reason or another, it's, it's not happening for him at the moment, and uh, that'll be a concern for Mikel Arteta. It
2: was interesting, though, because I, I read last night Arteta was saying good things about him and that he Has you know, to. he hasn't got to, and, and I was saying, I think that's good management because I think he's making sure his confidence stays high. But eventually, at some point, he's either got to play habits and get him through and get him, nurse him into getting some goals and being effective, or. It's difficult to have a squad when you're playing a player who isn't really doing it week in, week out, and you're training hard and going like, "Come on, Gaffer, yeah, when's my time?"
1: Yeah, and that, and that's the, the point about bringing people in for big money, isn't it? Yeah, is you almost feel like, well, he's going to have to play him. Mm. If if Kai Havertz had been bought for say thirty million dollars, we'd have all gone, oh, "He's a good good, good squad yeah. player. Yeah, he'll fit yeah. in for a squad player." He and was I think there'd be an almost the first
2: a, eleven, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: and I think there was an element of a lot of Arsenal fans, a lot of. Sort of the media pundits are saying they shouldn't have bought him, and they shouldn't have bought Raya, and they should have gone all in on a number nine and got that big number nine. Mm. But I think Arteta's sort of argument to that was, well, I'd rather have more goals scattered about. Yeah, I think he'd get more goals for him, mm. and he hasn't done that. No, I totally think it was the weird. the penalty away at Bournemouth is the only goal he scored, yeah, light and light it was day. given to him. Yeah, so he hasn't yeah. really mm. created anything. I'm going to be
2: honest, I was one of those who's, who. who didn't mind it. I kind of saw bits what I liked in habits and big goals and moments for Chelsea and thought actually if he gets in those spots where Xhaka used to get, I think he's got creative ability, he he can find a goal, he can find a pass, but you're right, it hasn't happened for him and, and
1: a shame,
2: yeah, it is a shame, and it's one of those things that at some point you know, you Mikel Arteta might have to deal with. But I suppose if they're winning and, he, and he's still in the team, then you know, people say le- less about it. A little bit of worry for any worries for, for Burnley, they sit yes. bottom of the table now, and you know, great football last year 101 points, but um, hasn't quite worked since since they've come up at only no. one win at the moment and uh, another defeat. Um, not great from set pieces again from Vincent <sighs> company, which you would think his team yeah. of all would would be better might you have to change his style, his philosophy, might you have to become a little bit more pragmatic to 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 get some points and give them a platform He,
1: he went a little bit more direct in this game against okay. Arsenal and tried to change things a little bit and he actually yeah. got joy from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don 't like the ball over the top of them yeah. they don 't like running back towards their own goal yeah. or turn them in behind. There's a, there's a real snobbery around football yeah, where we want to see this perfect game played. There's only Manchester City and a few other teams that can play that style of football. When you, when you think about it, Liverpool, Manchester City and Arsenal can go toe-to-toe. Mm. Uh, Tottenham to a certain degree, yeah, fully a at full strength. Times, yeah. You look at those teams and they can go toe-to-toe at the moment there's not many others who can do it so why try and play them at their own game you've got to try and adapt in different yeah. ways I think you've
2: uh, got in and your, your IAMIs yeah. who've got a version of it haven't they and they play in a way that suits their players Absolutely. and suits their system but it's not all out the same way I no. mean these, these triggers and these safety Course. mechanisms if things start to go wrong yeah
1: and, that, and that's what you've got to find isn't mm. it you've got to find what suits the players I think you're asking these players playing against tactically better players in the Premier League yeah, than the Championship anyway. yeah who see things quicker, Mm. adapt to things quicker, react to things quicker. will sort things out on the pitch quicker rather than looking at the manager and going, how do we sort this out? Top, top players just go sorted and they get it done quickly. And I think that's where they're struggling to to deal with it.
2: Yeah, a bit of work for Vincent Kompany. Let's go to the Vitality. Uh, Interesting game here, Bournemouth hosting Newcastle. Eddie Howe taking Newcastle back to where he was a player and a manager with, with much success. Iriola's had a bit of a tough time at, at mm-hmm. Bournemouth and people were questioning maybe, is he trying to do too much with a group of players who are not up to to what he wanted to do? And he was talk, talking about he slowly his messages are, are getting across. Bournemouth ended up winning the game 2-0. Goals by Dominic Solanke, 60th minute, 73rd minute. On a day when... I actually thought Newcastle didn't really turn up. I know they've had Champions League, got beat by Dortmund, they've got some injuries, like Isaac and Wilson out, a number of players, suspensions for Tonali, Bruno Guimaraes, um, not available. So there was reasons and and there's, if you could say, excuses for Newcastle. But I think Eddie Howard expected a little bit more from a team that he put out that was still a decent side.
1: Yeah, I I really do as well. And I think the other side of it as well, one of the players that you did not mention there, He's is, is one of those unsung players, is, is Dan Byrne. Yeah. Can play across the back mm. line, very comfortable, big stature from set pieces, from uh, both attacking and defending. Yeah. But also what they've got... Across that back line, which they lose when Livermorento comes in or Lewis yeah, Hall, Hall yeah. great experience, mm. know-how, yeah. under pressure. How do we deal with it? If it needs to go, it goes. Yeah. Not overplaying, trying to impress the manager and trying mm. to impress to get in the team, trying to do too much. And I think there's an element at that of times at the weekend, um, but. They they just looked like it was a game too far. Yeah. Um, they looked like they needed the international break. They almost needed to limp over the line against Bournemouth, get yeah. a result yeah. and then sort of take stock and go, Phew, it's been mm. a cu- tup, uh, t- uh, tough, tough couple of weeks, yeah. tough one to me yeah. to say. <laughs> um, and then just sort of take stock and mm. look at it and, and, and sort of address it. But there's that Champions League element as well. They, yeah. They're travelling, they're, they're cool. getting adapting Mm. the training sessions making sure all that's right whether Eddie Howe will look at that himself and go okay maybe I need to adapt something change something sit down with his medical staff over Mm. this period and say are we getting something wrong here can we change something feedback from the players as well
2: yeah absolutely because uh, Alman went Almiron went off; with looked like a muscle injury. Fabinho I mean, was yep. holding his hamstring; looked like could have some kind of muscle injury. And you know, it was almost like you were watching the players, thinking, "Geez, who's who's, who's going to be next?" Yeah. Um, and I think I, I think I said last week, before on the podcast. I just wonder if Eddie Howe has to find another version of his Newcastle team that doesn't have to rely on being all out all the time. We saw him; we spent some time with him in the Premier League summer series, watching him training. Yeah. He's, he's as Sort of driven for training as is for games about working hard in that, and I just wonder if it's some you know with the games with all the, that they've got, you know, similar players doing the same thing each week. Does he does he have to take a little bit of the load away? Do, can could there be a bit more of a resting in possession, so having the ball and maybe not working it through the team, but you know having a breather at times yeah. and then going again. Not that kind of. It's almost like this full-on, you know, driving at everything. I, I just I worry a little bit that they're picking up so many muscle injuries on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, I, I think when you uh, when you think about the the style of play, mm. the way you get to that style of play and that intensity is by doing it in training yeah, every yeah, day.
2: You've got to do it, yeah.
1: And that becomes mm. mentally fatiguing. When when you come in, you go this is going to be a tough session and you're thinking it's repetitive and I remember the year that Liverpool won the league so the previous season to that a few of the senior players went into Jurgen Klopp and said this is tough mentally for the players to continue to do this Mm. there's got to be some respite at some point where we have a down day or something a day off or a couple of days off within the week and we're willing to do the work Mm. but we're we're shattered doing it we're really struggling to do this how can we how mm. can we do that? Whether that needs a senior figure from the Newcastle players to actually go and speak to Eddie Howe and say, this is where we're at. But often, when you're, when you're doing so well, yeah, and you, the, don't wanna, you don't want to yeah. question the manager, no, you, but there's so. got to be a bit of. Yeah,
2: a relationship. I yeah, think that Eddie probably got a good relationship yeah, with the players. You think so. So we'll see. Just before we move on, mate, we do a uh, award each week for our underappreciated performer of the week, a player who maybe hasn't got the headlines, who doesn't always get the appreciation. That um, maybe he deserved and, and my underappreciated form of the week is, is a Bournemouth player he's a Bournemouth jiker, he's Dominic Slanky who got the two goals uh, that won the game for, for Bournemouth this weekend I thought look, he, he benefited from a decent team performance and the first goal when we did a little breakdown on it was a great example of a press where yeah. they kept Newcastle one side of the pitch, they got the ball, they won it back quickly, Slanky got on the end of the thing, smashed it past Pope and, and they go 1-0 up and improvised well for his second goal, but Dominic Slank is a player who I feel at times doesn't get the credit he deserves, he often plays as a lone striker, he sometimes feeds on scraps because his team aren't dominating possession, yeah. he got, he's got he got six goals already in the in the league this season, he only got six all of last season, uh, he, he, he's a threat, he's got good size, he's technically uh, proficient when the ball goes into him and he can join him with midfield players, He's just one of those forwards who I think we take for granted in this league. And for a goal scorer, for somebody regularly who can find the back of the net, they're worth their weight in goals. So Dominic Slank is my own appreciate performance of the week.
1: Good, a good choice as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I think when he comes into the club, I think it was around about twenty-five million from yeah. Liverpool yeah. pounds. Mm. Um, so roughly what thirty odd million dollars, which is yeah. it's a big fee for Bournemouth mm. at that point. And then that pressure comes on his shoulders. I think it's taken him a little bit of time to adapt to the Premier League. And we yeah. forget when he moved to to Bournemouth from Liverpool, he was a, he was a young, young lad. Yeah. So and there was a lot expected of him to come in. Mm. I, I almost feel that like that time in the Championship to go and it score helped, goals, yeah. it helped him and him took that, yeah, yeah, got him a lot of goals in the Championship yeah. and then he was like, well, I'm actually the main man, mm. yeah, so credit to him because yeah. he's, he's had a, a, a real uh, good season so far.
2: Okay, let's move to uh, London Stadium, West Ham 3, Nottingham Voice 2, we, we obviously both did this game this morning, um, five goal thriller, uh, Pacitor gets uh, West Ham off to a great start A one-year gets uh, equaliser just before half-time and Lange Gets Nottingham Forest ahead and then they almost switch off, go to sleep, Boeing and Suchet with the goals for West Ham. Um, I thought it was a good day for, for West Ham. I, mean, they didn't, I thought they started well, they finished well. I thought there's a bit of a consistency. And I see an evolving West Ham where I looked at the, the team sheet today. You've got Pakatar, you've got Kudos, you've got Ward-Prowse, you've got Boeing, You've got people who want to get oh, on the thinking. ball and, 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 and make things play. Um, you know, and sometimes with with David Moyes' teams, we've always thought about you know the industry and the effort. So I think there's a balance, and and I just thought he got, he got a good performance out of his, his team today, and and in the end, uh, that's a really good win for West Ham. I and mean, we're coming off the back of three straight defeats. Um, you were saying, that, and I know you've got a good relationship with Steve Cooper, and spoke to him before the game. He he'll be disappointed when He have not got two one up, and the nature of the goals. And, and you made a great point before the match, was saying that they've got to cut out. Errors, whether it's team errors or individual errors, you know if the teams are going teams are good enough in the Premier League. They don't need a, a leg up. No, they're almost giving teams opportunities.
1: Yeah, three minutes into the game, you can't be passing the ball across the front of your yeah. back line and not expect to be punished when it's cut out or takes a deflection, which yeah. is. But it shouldn't have even got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, also, two set pieces. Yeah, you'd be bitterly disappointed. But the big thing for me is is that once you go two one ahead. Tails are up. You're thinking, here we go. And yeah. they say that the old saying in football is, you're at your most vulnerable yeah, when, you've when you've just scored. scored. 123 seconds later, and you can see the goal. It, it can't happen. Yeah. It, it's it's such a bad position to put yourself in. Suddenly, you go. Everyone's sort of arguing between themselves yeah. as to why it's happened. And then there's a negativity around the, the team. Then so uh, yeah, you, you'll be bitterly disappointed with that.
2: Yeah, well, good win for for West Ham. So uh, addresses their three three game, uh, losing run that they were on in, in mm-hmm. the Premier League. Uh, Crystal Palace 2, Everton 3. I get the sense Sean Darch is, com- is starting to have effect. In Darch we trust, as I always say to Musty. Uh, <laughs> Miklenko again in, in, in the goals. As they gets a penalty back inside for Crystal Palace, it was a real set. Dekouré, who is becoming an absolute diamond for, for Darch. Uh, Abdullah Dekouré with a goal. Edward gets one back after a bit of a mix-up between uh, the goalkeeper and Tarkovsky—they yeah. uh, get that wrong—and then Edisicana Gay comes on 86 minutes and gets the winner for Everton. Uh, so sometimes it's a great way to win as well, and a late winner oh, away yeah. from home. Can you imagine? And then all the lads t- going back, and you know Everton on, on a decent run of form. And I just get the sense that both parties—the manager and, and the dressing room—are starting to understand and appreciate each other. Yeah.
1: I think one of the big things for me is I was at the the last game of the season last year when he beat Bournemouth.
2: Oh yeah, we were and there. Actually, we were over there. Yeah, at the time. and yeah. I spoke
1: to a few of the the staff, and I said, "What did hmm. he say after the game?" And he was like, "Do not celebrate this like it's something that should that should achieve- be achieved. Yeah. Like, yeah. that it's not an achievement." This should never be happening at Everton Football Club. This shouldn't be the standard in this changing room. And I think when you try and set that mentality out, you've got to back it up. You've got to make sure the players work hard every day. But I think what he did really well was he brought Ashley Youngen, great experience, in and around the changing room, a winning mentality, yeah. standards to set. I played with Ash at Aston Villa. I know yeah. what he's like. He's He's... he's he's on you if you're not doing it right and I think they needed that they Mm. needed that leader within the changing room not just Seamus Coleman's voice someone who's actually playing week in week out Um, the other thing I think he did really well was he brought in Jack Harrison and it brought a balance to the team. Yeah. So everything wasn't then reliant on McNeil, McNeil to deliver. To start, yeah. Now you take it, because if, if you want to play Everton, we'll just yeah. show everything down the right-hand side, because yeah. we don't want it on the danger man, McNeil. Yeah. Now you've got two players on either side who are capable of creating, Yeah, and we saw at the weekend for the first goal, yeah. Jack Harrison, lovely ball in for Mikalenko, so I think they're just a better balanced team now.
2: Yeah, And it was interesting, he was talking about making sure... To the players that sometimes a long ball isn't a bad ball; it's no. a long pass. It's not giving the ball away, and, and yeah. that me- those messages are starting to come. Dominic Calvert-Lewin back in the team, and, and De as I say, who's yeah. been an absolute diamond, signed a long-term contract. And you just get the sense that Everton are going to be okay. Oh, season. I do as well. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think we'll be going to the last game of the season, no. and, <laughs> and them still win. <struggling laughs> perform. Uh, Brighton won Sheffield United won uh, I suppose a good point for Sheffield United: do a uh, goal down to a Um and then Webster, with an own goal, bringing Sheffield United back in it. De actually came on for Brighton after 69 minutes. Of sub- he was a substitute, got sent off for a, a bit of a stamp, which is a bit foolish which yeah, was it was. Under, under pressure. And then let's go to to one of the inform teams at, at Villa Park. I think it's 18 home games now in in Europe and in the Premier League uh, that they've won. It's I mean, phenomenal. it's an incredible run by Unai Emery and, and his team. Um, own goal from Robinson got them off. John McGinn, the captain, swept a lovely ball in his left foot. Oli Watkins gets his customary goal after a breakaway, and uh, Raul Jimenez with a bit of a consolation from Fulham's point of view. But Villa, I heard Unai Emery saying, you know, we can't, we can't be top four, we can't be top four, we'd like to be top six, but we can't be top four. And I'm thinking, you could be top four the way you're going and the way you're managing, and, you know, if you... Ambitious owners, maybe spend a bit of money in, in the, the January window and get a bit of depth. I mean, th- this this team and this turnaround has been incredible.
1: Yeah, it has. I, I tipped them to get in top four. Mm. I, I said this the start oh. of the year, year uh, start of the season, season, having seen Unai Emery firsthand in the summer series. Okay. I was blown away with them. Mm. I thought what detail goes into it, how they organise the team, what they're all about, and I thought. I, I really fancy them to get in. The one thing that we didn't legislate for was the injury to Tyro Mings and B- Wendier, yeah, two of the, the yeah. best like starters within the team. When you lose them, I'm thinking, well, oh, it's not good for them. Yeah. But how they've responded has been quite brilliant. Um, so am I surprised at the run they've been on at Villa Park? 100% we are. Am yeah. I surprised they're, they're so close to the top? No, having seen him first hand. So uh, incredible job that he's doing.
2: I remember when we sat with John McGinn and we were chatting and asking him, you know, you want to know what Emma's like. And I remember him saying, he's a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's great. But he is a bit crazy. Um, crazy work sometimes. Uh, and I'm just going to give you an opportunity for your underappreciated performer of the week because it's an Aston Villa player. Yep. I'll give you the floor sir
1: Yeah, Musa Um mm. I just think since he's come into the football club, he's taken a lot of pressure off. Ollie Watkins I think he's also taken pressure off John McGinn because John McGinn was so often the one who had to create yeah, opportunities for, for, and yeah. to make those forward runs yeah. Watkins was always the one who had to be the creator or a goal scorer himself whereas Diaby, I, I remember when he came into the club and thinking where's he going to play yeah. in this system Is, yeah. they don't play wingers so what's he going to do but he compliments Watkins and McGinn so so well Um, so he's my unsung hero because um, as much as he does score and as much as he Mm. does create I just think he's one that goes under the radar a little bit
2: yes good shout Uh, he's still young he'll still grow and you say that he won't grow taller No, he'll grow under (laughs) the the management of Unai Emery and and I think what's great for Villa is they can play him as a two they can play one underneath he can play from the wide positions and he looks really committed to so yeah really good shout Musa Diorbi as your underappreciated performer of the week. Listen, mate, it's been brilliant. Yeah. Um, you have to do this again. Get Musty wherever he is on the plane somewhere, uh, somewhere else. <laughs> um, on a week when it was bonkers at the bridge, Chelsea and Man City slugged it out for a 4 4 draw. Elsewhere, United get a win, but not a great performance. Everton, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Villa, they got points and performance you put together we're going to take a well-earned break for the international weekend but we're back on Sunday that's November the 26th when we'll recap match week 13 where Manchester City play Liverpool on Saturday and Everton host Manchester United on the Sunday but for now, I'm Ill, he was worn up together, we weren't the two Robbies. thanks for watching and listening, <laughs> be safe, stay healthy it's a good night from me it's a good night from him, good night
1: You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well, then you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go
0: try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.